episode 16 of the JDV experience. And joining us is one of the longest tenured NFL draft people in the industry. A guy that he's been doing it so long, now he works for the NFL itself. <laughs> Chad Reuter, how are you doing tonight, man? Good, good. Yeah, um, I think you just called me old, so that's fine. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's just the, the way it goes when you're experienced. That's what I like to say. I'm experienced. experienced. No, there's nothing yes. wrong with being, you know. Yes. Yes. On NFL.com uh, covering the NFL draft. Yeah. Because you've done it so long. Uh, yeah. And a little bit of luck never hurt. So it's good. <laughs> yep. No, yeah, it breaks. Everybody knows about that. Football, yep. any sport requires a break of some kind, normally hockey, especially football's yep. up there. Baseball, you got to hit that. You got, you got a, what, a three, a three and 10% chance, you know, three, 30% chance you're going to hit a, right. a ball at the plate. So. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this the other day, and no matter what job you're doing, no matter what you're doing, there's kind of two parts. There's a there's a skill level, and then there's just the 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 the, the chance, and, and you and you you work your way up. You work up the ladder with experience and wisdom and hard work and all that stuff, and then at that level, there's still like a 40 to 60%, right? I mean, like you're, no matter how smart you are, no matter how much you watch prospects, no matter what you do, you're going to be wrong 40% of the time and things aren't going to go your way 40% of the time. So you just have to work through it. And, um, you know, and then you get um, a good break, you know, um, I think we were going to talk about kind of what my journey has been Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I started a website in 2000 when there was not as much coverage of the NFL draft at that point online. Um, actually, Pro Football Talk, one of the first things that they did is they started rating draft sites. This was in the early 2000s. And there was probably 10 or 15 on there when it, when it started up. Um, and I was very thankful to be one of the ones that had the higher grade. Um, it was called PackerDraft.com, and of course, obviously, being from Wisconsin, I followed the Packers. I said, "Let's, you know, I have I had a job. I'm like, let's do this for a hobby, right?" I got actually, I got sick. I got the flu, so I watched all the bowl games. I just laid on the couch, and I just started, you know, watching things, reading things, and um, you know, just trying to learn about players and. And so, and then I have a background of uh, data analysis, economics. So I use some of that background to, to study things. And, um, you know, after a few years, I started getting some um, interest from teams and from media places. And eventually, oh, about seven years in, uh, you know, I quit my other job and, and started working full-time in media. Um, that was around 2008. And I worked with the Sports Exchange, which at that time, was doing the CBS sports coverage, um, doing Lindy's magazines, and then NFLDraftScout.com. Um, you know, I was part of that group for mm-hmm. a couple of years. Um, and I was, you know, at one point, I got a phone call from the NFL saying, hey, um, we're looking for a researcher and analyst. And what do you think? So we just kind of built from there. And that was in 2012, 2011. I don't know. What year is it? Uh, so it's about a decade ago now. Um, and so, yeah, I've been there ever since. And, 
you know, it's a dream job. And, and, you know, I just very fortunate to get the right phone call and to be in a position to, to take it. No. And that's, that's part of it, I think. Right. So having the, the opportunity to present, there's a friend of mine, he always used to tell me, you know, it was when I was first getting started into all of this and, you know, trying to create a career and all this, he, he said, this goes for any job. This goes for any, anything that you do. All it takes is one person to say yes. And yeah. once you get that, yes, you're forward, you're moving forward. Yep. And so how many people are you going to ask the question to get that? Yes. That's, yeah. that's where, that's what the determination is. That's what, that's what the drive is for. Right. Is that you keep taking those no's, you keep taking those L's and say, okay, where can I get better and move on? But so right. it's interesting because you started your own website, as you mentioned, back in 2000, how difficult was it to kind of start a website like that and start telling people about it? Um, well, it's certainly not like today. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you had to, again, the pro football talk thing was big for me because they were getting started and they were getting a mm-hmm. following. So that helped. Um, but honestly, it was through like discussion groups, email discussion groups and things like that among Packer fans that started kind of getting me rolling. And it was funny, um, a couple of radio stations saw my stuff. And, um, and then I called my local radio station and started talking with the guy and um, started building from there. And, and um, but yeah, it was a lot more difficult. Um, you know, there was no SEO. I mean, there was, yeah. but we didn't know anything about it. Right, uh, right, you right. know, I mean, it was, you know, you're talking about Yahoo and MySpace and all this other stuff. And, and frankly, I wasn't doing it to like become like, like I said, at first, it was just a hobby. Um, and then I put stuff out there that a lot of Packer fans, you know, all over the world, like, um, and so it wasn't, I wasn't necessarily trying to make a career out of it mm-hmm. um, until I started getting some calls from teams and, and stuff like that. Like, well, okay, maybe this, I can do something with this. So, um, so yeah, it wasn't, I, there was no brand. I'm not a brand guy. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I just like doing the stuff I like to do. And, and um, if people like talking about it, you know, great, but uh, I'm not a very good self promoter, but, but it's just, you know, uh, it, it, it was not the same as it is now. And, but I'll tell you that uh, even when people ask me today, how do I get into this? Um, you know, I, I know it's all about Twitter and TikTok and all this other stuff. But the fact is, you still have to have a product, a product that people can go to and view if you are trying to get employed somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I still think one of the best ways to do that is to, to you have to have that website that the, uh, the uh, repository of information that you've collected. Now, obviously you, you produce things on Twitter, you, you do videos, YouTube video, whatever else you do, but you need to have a repository of that information because it moves so fast that if you're trying to get work through somebody, you have to be able to say, okay, here's like a bunch of links or here's, you know what I mean? You have to, so I just tell people, look, you start there, you produce information that nobody else is producing because if you're just regurgitating the same stuff, it, it's not going to help. Um, so I, but, you know, even though it was an old website, blah, 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 I, I wrote the HTML myself. It was terrible. It was horrible. It looked terrible, but it was a repository of information and people could see the work. And, um, you know, I think, I still think that's important today. It, obviously. 
you know it's it's kind of like we can sit here and we can talk football i mean there's all kinds of guys out there that you talk with and they know football and you know it could be at the bar it could be at a convention somewhere that has nothing to do with sports you know that mm-hmm. you're doing something it's just people talk football and they're really good at it but it's you're right you got to have some place where people can go and actually see all the different stuff all the resources because you can talk with somebody and that's great but you know having yeah. that that's that is very important i agree with that i think that's very true um so as a packers guy yeah. i'm assuming you've maintained that packers uh fan fandom yeah over the, not the really i mean it's hard <laughs> when you're supposed to be objective right i mean yeah. it, certainly i follow them more closely than the other 31 teams just because of where I live and because I'm constantly talking to people around here about what's going on in green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not the same, you know, it, it, you have to be objective. You have to evaluate the players and the same thing with like Wisconsin football. Right. I mean, it, in fact, I tend to be more difficult. I have to stop myself from being more difficult on those guys because I don't want to look like a Homer, right? Mm-hmm. You're trying to evaluate everybody the same. And, and at times, because I watch a thousand players, right, I've seen, they're like, oh, what about this running back? I, I've seen 50 other running backs who are very similar to that guy. But like Wisconsin fans don't see that because they don't mm-hmm. watch all, right? So mm-hmm. it's interesting to have these conversations and like, well, no, obviously there's exceptions to that when, you know, the, obviously Brandon Allen's fantastic. <laughs> Running backs for Wisconsin maybe is a bad example, but you know what I mean. I mean, it's, it's a, it's like yeah, I've seen that, I've seen that, uh, you know, and and um, um, so it's so it's interesting. It, yeah, it's right now they got Chaz Malusi, right? Is he or did he transfer yeah. out? No, Chaz... no, he's because he came in from Clemson. He he's going to stick around, and and Allen, him and Allen are going to share carries this year. You know, guys get hurt too, so like he may be able to get more carries than he thinks, and which is um, why I think Allen got all the playing time last year he's a sophomore right correct correct yeah Melissa was out last year with injuries so at times it started he did he started off the year really well um, I remember because that, that Penn State game that yeah. Penn State game was huge yeah. you know where it was wasn't just him in that game that really I think Arnold Ebiketti kind of jumped off the screen for a lot of people that weren't tracking him coming over from Temple but um, and Brisker and yeah Brisker looked great that was an awesome game that was a fun game to watch yeah yeah but so got to ask because this is back in that time Aaron Rodgers yeah what was your draft grade on Aaron Rodgers <laughs> uh, I remember being very surprised that he wasn't one of the top five picks mm-hmm. um, I it, it's so funny the things that teams will grab onto to not like a player mm-hmm. um, at that point people said his arm wasn't that good. I remember writing, this is not true. His arm is just fine. Right. But he was thin coming out. I mean, he gained and as, as most guys do, right. The first two, three years in the league, you get stronger. Um, But the thing that struck out about to me, well, his overall athleticism, obviously, but the tightness of his spiral allowed the ball to go where it needed to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was a one guy, one year guy at Cal coming out of Butte. Um, who knows if teams didn't like his attitude or whatever. There, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories as to why he fell as far as he did. But the fact is, is that 
Alex Smith was really good too. I mean, he was a very good prospect. Um, so I wasn't as surprised that the 49ers went that way, but that Rogers felt so like, I think Minnesota passed on him twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and, and it's just funny how things work out, but I, I was higher than most on him. Um, and, and I thought the arm thing and, you know, Yes, Jeff Tedford had him holding the ball up here by his ear. Yes, that that took, you know, a month to get him to drop it down to here. It's not that big of a deal. Um, Just one of these things that nitpicking that gets put on these guys all the time. So um, now I think, you know, was I projecting to be a Hall of Fame quarterback? No, of course not. But um, but, you know, I thought it was a little I thought it was surprising. And I and I, you know, saw some real talent there. So you said NFL teams started reaching out to you. When about was that? Well, 2002 or three, maybe. So did you end up doing work for NFL teams from time to time? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, You know, I had a different background than a lot of guys um, in Mm -hmm. terms of the data analysis and all that. And that, you know, it's, it's come so far. Um, But I remember, so I had sent out information to all 32 teams. I literally looked up the addresses of all the scouting directors and all that, sent them at that time a a CD of data, right? That's what you did at the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then in Mobile, the following year, I went and I introduced myself to like 25 or 26 teams. Um, And I only got two really negative... one really negative response, one pretty good brush off, but most guys were like, you know, this is interesting and let's continue talking and, and that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, I think then uh, like literally two people said, Oh, you're the numbers guy. Mm-hmm. You're the numbers guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, analytics wasn't a thing yet. So, no. but that's what I, but that's what I was at, at, at that level. Um, and so I talked to them about, you know, my evaluations of players, my use of data to figure out certain things. And um, so I built some really good relationships with that uh, over time. A couple of employment opportunities. Um, One, I was judged to be uh, uh, overqualified. (laughs) And and, uh, a couple other ones just didn't work out. Another one, I got beat out by somebody who was at the NFL front office who or the you know so it's other stuff didn't work out but it was okay because i you know after a certain point you don't want to be that guy who's on the road 300 days a year right i mean you you don't want to live that lifestyle and and if you're in your 20s and you want to do that it's awesome you don't get paid much but you're part of it and you can move up and work hard and all that stuff but you know at some point i didn't really start doing this stuff till i was 28 so you know, once I hit 35 or so, I was like, uh, no, I'm good. Media stuff is good. I, I, I wouldn't trade my job that I have now for anything. So, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not bad. No, it's, it's the couple things that kind of stand out to me is number one is when you talked about you cold calling and cold sending stuff. Yeah. So many different people that I've talked to, you know, did the same thing. I remember I, at the combine this year, I, I talked with Tom Polissero for a little bit and just asked him like, okay, how did you start, you know, connecting with people? What, what was that process? Like he said, you know, I got the black book and I just started calling people. Yeah. And that's all he did was for 
you know, months was he would just call people, cold call them and see who would talk. And I was like, that's just, that was another age, obviously, because now we have emails, yeah. now we have Twitter, now yeah. we have all the LinkedIn, all these resources to connect with people in different ways. Yep. That didn't exist back then. And so it's, it's, it's funny that, you know, like a lot of you guys that are at this point that you've, you've been doing it for long enough now where a lot of people know who you are, you have good jobs, different things like that. Y'all were very similar in your yeah. approach. And I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I think we were all taught that um, mm -hmm. by our parents. I mean, that's what you did. Um, I, one, uh, uh, a guy who eventually became a GM told me in like 2004, uh, your re I don't care about your resume. Let's talk about your passion. What, you know, what are, why, if you're, if I'm going to hire you, you got to talk about your passion because everybody's got a resume and that's fine. You check that box, but you got to have the passion. And, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I think, and what the code for passion, uh, was, are you willing to put in the work? That's what the code is because everybody can say they love football, right? Mm -hmm. Are you willing to go through every team's roster, you know, 200 rosters online, make calls, do whatever, gather the information, evaluate the, evaluate the player, all that stuff. That's very tedious. A lot of people say, oh, you, that's a great job. That's a, yeah, it is a great job. It's also a very tedious job at times, right? In May and June and July, I'm watching, I'm gathering information on a thousand guys. And I'm trying to watch at least something of as many as I can, you know, hundreds of guys, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's sad to me that the Shrine game came out with their 1,000 player watch list today. And which has never been done at that quite that level. And the sad part is like, I knew like almost all of them, which is, <laughs> that's disgusting. There's no reason I should know that, right? But that's what, that's when you get into this and you just chug at it 12 months a year, that's the passion. That's the passion. So, um, you know, and of course they had guys that I hadn't looked at and all that stuff. Cause that's, you know, a thousand people's a lot of people. And then with the transfers and all that other stuff, it's hard to keep track of where guys are at and all that stuff. So, um, that's sort of valuable and, and like Phil Steele, NFL draft scout, mm -hmm. um, literally reading every team's website, um, you know, and, and, and just absorbing as much information as you can um, and just, and just putting in the work as much, as much as you can. So when you started talking with NFL teams, you're in mobile, you're talking, you're face to face. What were some of the biggest things that you learned about the industry early on that's carried over and helped you? Well, I think, again, with the passion, just the hard work, because there's so many, so many people wanting to get into this, right? I mean, there's just so many and they get, and the problem is, is that there's a lot of people making these cold calls and sending emails and all that stuff. And you have to be able to stand out mm -hmm. and you have to stand up for what you believe in um, and not to just be different, but to have a different take that's still a plausible take. Um, and, and you're just not making stuff up to get clicks, right? I mean, you just, mm -hmm. you have to stand out. And, and um, a lot of people can say they work hard and all that stuff, but you also wanna work smart, but you also have to be 
different in a good way, in, in a way that want that teams want to see more from you. Um, and uh, and it's not easy to do, especially now. See, back then there wasn't as much out there, so it was easier to stand out, right? I mean, I would get called. I would get called from NFL team. How did you know that? How did you know this about this player? I'm like, well, you know, this internet thing is is pretty good, so you can actually <laughs> find out a lot about that. And because I, you know, in in the early 2000s, I'm getting 60 year old guys talking to me about this, and they didn't know right mm -hmm. but now that's they're finding a sleeper um it's pretty impossible right now you know because mm -hmm. it, it's all out there so much coverage and all that stuff which is great i mean I, I i think it's great that these guys no matter what school they go to they'll be found and um and uh, as they should you know for putting in that work so um i think the, the passion the hard work um bring something different to the table, standing up for, I think most general managers and scouting directors want guys that will stand up, will stand on the table for players mm -hmm. and not just say whatever you think. Right. I mean, I think, so I think having that determination to stand up for your guy um, and, you know, arguing reasonably about it right not not being overboard about it but just oh, saying this, this guy's a hall of famer and he's going guys. in the fifth round right right no i'm like look fifth round let's get this guy i think he can do this this and this and and um you know just making stating your points in a reasonable manner um i think goes a long way as well and that's you know true with many things mm -hmm. um and, and i think if more people thought about reasonably arguing instead of just standing their ground and, and not budging, things might be a little different in this country at times. But uh, I think that's, but it's important to, to fight for fight, you know, reasonably. You know, it, they, the sleeper thing is a really good point too, because, you know, when you talk with NFL people, I remember there was a scout that was telling me, he said, look, like Eric Johnson, I, yeah. had, a write, I had a write up on him last summer as a fifth round pick you know for the kid that yeah. came out of missouri state and he, yeah. in the, the eyes of the media nobody knew about him until right. you know he blew up the i think it's the nflpa bowl this year right right so yeah it's it's great that all these resources are just right there for everybody yeah yep you have tape you have it's as long as you play college football you have tape no and they're gonna find you and then you know yep. another guy cole strange right yeah. I remember last year talking to the um, – it was back in May last year talking with the uh, the uh, University of Chattanooga director of player personnel. He ended up going to Western Kentucky, I think, this offseason. Uh, and he's their director of personnel now. But I was asking him, you know, hey, like anybody that the NFL teams are coming to look, and he gave me a list. But he's like, yeah, Cole Strange. They love him. Mm -hmm. You know, so these the NFL is on top of people. You know, before yeah. Oh, yeah. way before anybody else knows. <laughs> oh yeah, they should be because they thirty-two teams each have seven or eight scouts that cover the country, and then they have the national and the blesto, and they have mm -hmm. so many resources put into this that there really shouldn't be any sleep. Guys shouldn't be falling through the cracks, really. Um, uh, much different than like high school recruiting things mm -hmm. like that. Um, and Chattanooga has a couple guys this year. Another offensive lineman is going to come out this yeah. year. 
senior bowl guy and, and McClendon Curtis is, is really um, talented guy. So, you know, uh, it's almost, and it's interesting with the transfers, you see more guys transferring up um, to, to get to, um, to get to the FBS level. Um, and they're getting the phone calls now. I mean, once they get into that transfer portal, your teams are all over them. And mm-hmm. uh, so they, they, now they're stepping up a little bit, but you know, in some ways they don't, I mean, they do it because they want to play at that level, obviously, but like if they would have stayed at that school, teams would have found them anyway. Um, mm-hmm. um, but, but it's interesting how this is guys are getting that opportunity to take that step up, which I think is fantastic. It's a pain for us to, to, to keep track of, but the important thing is that these guys are getting the opportunity to move up just like coaches do coaches move up levels all the time and players had not really been able to do that much mm-hmm. until recent years. So now they're starting to do it more and it's great because they get that out. They were overlooked in the recruiting um, cycle and, and, and coming out. And now after a couple of years, teams are going to notice them. And, and it's great. It's a great opportunity for them. So because, because this kind of just came up because you mentioned it, I think this was just a really good question. What is your opinion? You know, as a, as someone who scouts for the NFL draft, as someone who has done it for so long of the NIL status in college football, it, I does think that it's a, help you. I think it, well, it doesn't really help me, mm-hmm. but it helps the kids. And that's the most important part. Uh, you know, they, they should be getting what coaches have been getting. Um, they should be getting over the table, what they've been getting under the table, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, money's getting into college. Really? Money's now just getting it? No, 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 no. 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 Uh, back in, you know, look, this has been going on for many, many years, money getting put to prospects. And it look, if an adult is stupid enough to give a kid a million bucks through an NIL, the, the kid should take that money. His family should take that money. And, you know, I, I think that's the fair thing to do, honestly. And, and I, um, and yeah, if a school, well, look, schools give scholarships to guys to, for them to come to their school. If boosters want to give a kid a million dollars to come to the school that they want them to come to, I don't have an issue with that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people who say they're free market people don't, don't believe in that, right? Um, you know, say it's wrong. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's academics. It's, please. If, uh, if I had finished two years of school and the NFL came and said, no, we want to hire you as a, you know, our NFL team had come to, so I'm going to hire you as a data analyst. You think I'm sticking around college? No, <laughs> no, no chance. Obviously not. No, you know, I mean, and, and this is in, uh, you know, enter- the entertainment world, this happens all the time. The business world guys get hired, you know, they, they do uh, entrepreneurial projects in college and they don't go back to college or they're, mm-hmm. they're signed immediately after college. So mm-hmm. look, this is, this is the way it is. And I, and I think, um, but for me, it doesn't really make a difference because uh, if the, if the NIL hurts the player's ability to contribute on the field, then it's an issue. And we'll see if that becomes an issue down the line. If, if a guy gets that million dollars as a freshman walks in the door and doesn't put in the work to be a good player on the field, well, the first thing will happen is freshmen won't get those deals anymore, mm-hmm. but then, but then eventually players will start figuring out that, um, you know, and, and so there'll be some 
whoever's in charge of college football in the future, it won't be the NCAA, but however they do that in the future, they may start to limit the amount a little bit more and stuff like that, which is, you know, reasonable. Um, but, you know, then as guys just get older, then they like, you know, um, uh, like a guy, let's just say like Joe, let's just say Joe Burrow had, was awesome at LSU in his first year. And let's just, then he comes back for his second year. And if somebody wants to give him, don't go to the NFL, we're going to give you $5 million to stay at LSU. I don't have any problem with that. Mm-hmm. If he's proven, you know, so um, we might see more of that, uh, which I would prefer over a freshman getting a big deal, but um, you know, everybody, everybody wants to make money themselves, but they, they don't like it when other people make money for things that they don't think they should do. So I, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. Yeah. No, that was the point that I, I, I liked about it from a scouting point is the fact I think we kind of saw it already in the first year. And I'm going to give yeah. you an example. I'm going to say Bryce Young yep. made crazy money just being yep. the Alabama quarterback without a single, he hadn't even started a game yet, you yeah. know, and came out there and played extremely well. Yeah. You know, like I was just looking at him this morning before I, you know, I took off and did some other stuff, but his placement and his understanding, yeah. Yeah. You know, even when he's late on a throw, he's putting that ball where nobody's going to touch it, but the receiver. And I'm yeah. just like, Oh, Lee, that's just, it's just another level of quarterback when you're watching that with a college guy. But then you have yeah. another guy that made a lot of money last year. That was supposed to be a really big prospect. It was that Clemson quarterback. I can't pronounce his last name. Yeah, Ugalele or whatever. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So he was supposed to be like, oh, it's going to be him and Bryce Young. They're going to dominate college football. And he was yeah. not on par. And I think a lot yeah. of that had to do with the money that well, he got. I, well, that's that's just maybe a step too far. We, we don't really know that, right? I mean, possibly, possibly. But the other thing is, is that when these – not every five-star, four-star quarterback prospect makes that jump, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, effectively. Uh, and whether there was NILs or not, we don't really know what the effect. No, is. no, no, no. I, but, the, I, but, I will. I'll note. I'll note. It's pure speculation, and it's based yeah. off of the two games that he started when Trevor missed uh, his freshman year, yeah, uh, due to COVID. Right. And he looked great in those games. Right. And looking at those games and then going back and looking at 2021, it was almost a different quarterback. Well, at times. but you have to remember that this happens in the NFL all the time. Yeah, no, a guy Baker, comes Baker in Mayfield for a game right or now. two, right? Mm-hmm. A guy comes in for a game or two and he looks great. Matt Flynn looked awesome for the Packers <laughs> in preseason and in that one game in Detroit mm-hmm. and he gets beat out by Russell Wilson, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, so it's small sample size, right? Mm-hmm. And, and especially when a team is really built well and, and everything's in place um dj look clemson receivers got hurt last year um their offensive line was not as good as the year before uh there were change it wasn't the exact same team and mm-hmm. and so i'm really interested to see what happens with them this year uh and, and him in particular to see if he takes that next step and it's a totally different ball game when you're the guy and um we'll see if he bounces back or not but I, I don't know that we can really say it's nil or not if we're in the room now if i'm a scout and i'm talking to coaches that's one of the first questions that i'm going to ask have you noticed his work ethic has gone down since he got the money mm-hmm. and and um but like i said this isn't the first time money has gotten into college football these guys have gotten money for years and years and years and years so yeah, yeah that's but that but it's it's uh i don't like to draw that line there uh you know 
one-for-one -one correlation because we just we don't really know yeah that's fair but i i, I did think that nil would help scouting just because of that the money aspect yeah. you know you had jamarcus russell years and years ago we know down yeah. the road he was a great guy at lsu now we also know that he didn't take he didn't work well when he got to the nfl yeah and you know and he said that himself too not just yeah. you know right the, the, the tape story i love that story right. i thought that this right. is great but uh yeah i mean it, money does change change things there's no question about it if i won the lottery tomorrow um i might have you know let's no i'll say if i had won the lottery last night i might have been uh you know getting back to you today and we're like you know what buddy i think i'm out this, uh, for this. look it, it changes things for people so mm -hmm. that is it will be a part of the the scouting process um, but the thing is, is that if you're a really talented prospect, the competitive fire that you have is not going to be quenched by the NLS, the NIL stuff. Mm -hmm. Bryce Young is not going to be changed by the NIL stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and because he's a tough kid who, who plays hard and uh, something I really like about him, in addition to the accuracy and his athleticism and all that other stuff. Um, and why I don't mind if he's 5'11", 195 pounds either. Um, you know, I, I so uh, I think the real players are not going to be set back by that. And the other thing with NIL that doesn't get talked about enough is that guys do great things with this money and with yes. this, they do all kinds of charitable work. And, and this has carried forward to the NFL too, right? We don't even hear a lot of the stuff that guys do with their money in the NFL for charity charitable stuff so um that's been really underrated and i think people really misevaluated um when these guys grow up in, in great families and they get this money their families know hey you got to put that to use it's not just all about you mm -hmm. and helping your community and all that stuff so um another really good side benefit of that stuff and i think and again that when you as a scout when you see that that, that also helps you understand the character of the young man. So, um, you know, I, uh, I think there's some, there's some good parts to this NAL stuff in the, in the long run. Yeah. That's maybe that's something that we, as the media need to do a better job of is talking about some of these things when we hear about it. Right. 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 You know, talking about, Hey, this kid, you know, he started this foundation, right. And he's yep. a freshman or sophomore in college. Yep. You know, maybe those are some things that we should do as a media Yep. Better. And I think we've, we've started to do that. I, when I put together material for that, for the network, um, if I catch wind of that, or if I see it, I put it in my materials because it's, it's important. Um, Patrick Laird from Cal, the running back from Cal had yes. a reading program for kids. And I made sure to stick that right in the, right in his info uh, for, for the network folks. Cause it, that's the kind of stuff that um, should be talked about more. Now, you say that, but you know, it's just like when, well, why doesn't the news talk more about good news? Right. Mm -hmm. Because when you do the egg, when you do the focus groups, when you get the data, people aren't as interested in that stuff as you think they should be. Right. So you have to mix it in, in, in ways, but you lose your audience if you're not talking football at some level. Um, there's a, you know, it has to be a balance of it. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it's just funny that you see the, you think, can't the news just be like one good story, one bad story, one good story, but 
no, if you don't put your bad stories right up front, you're going to lose your audience. And it's really unfortunate, but the, the data backs it up. And, and, uh, but I think the, the nice thing about working with the network um, is that people really want those stories. They really want to put those stories out there. So that's why I'm always putting that in and, and constantly, whether it's, um, you know, for a couple of years, Chase Goodbread worked with us and I would give him story ideas about different players that he would go out and interview the players and do all that kind of stuff. And um, again, when, we, when we're running our network programming, we try to get these good stories, feel good stories to show that these guys are doing great things in the community as well. And if you can mix that in with the football talk, and so that's a, it's a good mix and balance, then that's really the best of both worlds. It is, it is. And it's not even just because that they're doing, you know, these good things with the money and hey, it's a good thing, but it's also like awareness, right? Right. It's the fact right. that, hey, you have this program now. If you have, you know, a kid with autism, well, so-and-so has this, right? Right. That's right. designed to help, you know, and maybe that incorporates football, whatever that program is. Right. That's awareness too. That's right. You know, that's right. That that's the other thing that gets so lost in our modern culture today is the fact that yeah, there's all this good stuff. Like you have something that bad that happens to you. Well, you, there's a million resources out there that's going to help you through that bad right. time, whatever it is. You know, because right. people are experiencing the same thing. And it's and it's great. We have a long way to go, but. Over the last few years, a lot more talk about mental health awareness. Yeah. You know, a lot, and it's more, it's becoming more and more um, accepted to talk about these things and, you know, and, and really try to live a balanced life and not go, go, go for the dollar every minute of every day. You know, it, it's it, trying to do more and more of that kind of stuff. And, and it's good. Hopefully we'll continue in that direction. Yeah, Simone Biles, I think, opened up a lot of that conversation with athletes specifically, yeah. which was, yeah. that was big. You know, you sit yeah. out the Olympics because, hey, I need to take some time for mental health. And it's like, that's some serious stuff, right? Yeah. And yeah. there were a lot of people that were there to ridicule her. Oh, how dare you not, you know, represent your country at the biggest time of the year? No. Guys, like, that's right. the whole point is they're training nonstop to do this. Right. And if it gets to a point where it pushes you beyond what you're mentally capable of doing, well, you have to be able to, 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 by adjust. the way, if you're not mentally right, then you're not going to perform well anyway. So no. <laughs> well, then you're not putting the best representative of, of this country out there. So, you know, it's, it's gotta, it's gotta all, all be there. So um, anyway, so yeah, I've gotten off track a little bit, but it, no, that's it, a good, that's to, good. Yeah. We try to try to get some of that stuff in as well, you know, as the more hardcore analysis and, and stuff like that. And, and uh, when we talk about stuff. So I did want to ask you about your process because everybody's got a process to this thing mm. and everybody's process is so different. Um, my process just over the last five years has changed drastically, mm. you know, as I've been able to, you know, I'm, I'm still young. I'm going to be 26 in December, you know, yeah. so I'm still brand new hotshot figuring out life and all this stuff. Right. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. But as you, as, as I've learned time management, it's, understanding that there's only so many minutes of the day and I have to figure out what I want to do with those minutes and how I'm going to be the most yep. productive with those minutes, yep. but also taking care of myself. Yep. What, what is your process look like going into an NFL draft? Okay. The NFL draft, you know, this past may finished up. What, where, what is your process? Where do you start? Um, so the week after the draft is usually, you know, review of things. And I, 
do a post-mortem for my process to see what I want to change, what I want to do differently, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what worked, um, media interviews, all that stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, probably the Saturday or the following Saturday or Sunday, I started, I created my 2023 20, draft folder <laughs> and I started moving guys because, you know, with the COVID extra year of eligibility, there was a whole it's slew of guys, right? Yeah. So maybe when you include guys that didn't come out as underclassmen that I thought might maybe 300 guys to move from, from one year to the next. Um, and then just, you know, starting from scratch, looking through all the schools and looking for guys that I knew I'd seen before and, and really just starting to build my list. Right. And um, gathering information and, and that goes on for, well, I'm still doing it. So May, June, July, I'll really be going through it. Um, and, you know, I'll get to a thousand guys or whatever. Um, just getting the, the basic information ready to go because what you don't want to be doing, and I do this in the summer, like, don't you have summers off? No. <laughs> because, because if you have to build all of that between November and January, I mean, forget about it. Right? You're not going to have any reports <laughs> at all. Right. So you, you get, you get as much information about the first three or four years or five or six with this, you know, group, this cohort going through the COVID situation. Um, it's funny, like how many guys are seventh year players now. Mm -hmm. um, um, but, you, you know, you have to put in the work ahead of time. So you're not, you don't screw yourself over later. So the summer is all building that kind of stuff. And then uh, watching films, anybody who's seen my Twitter, the five people who follow me know that I do a Snap Scout Snap series. Scout. Yep. Yeah. Which is and, great. And I just try to hit guys that are draftable but you know like the big names get plenty said about them quarterbacks get plenty said about them I, I i like to review some of the other guys that maybe could be draftable if everything works out but maybe aren't it as big as schools or as big a names um i'll do some bigger guys just maybe that don't have the name that some people like last year i did boy mafe because i knew a lot of people didn't know who that was um but i knew we'd be talking about so right. that, that, that kind of guy, but then a lot of late round guys, just to give some guys some, some, uh, you know, some hype. Uh, and, uh, and I like watching those guys. That's the fun part of the year is getting to know these guys. Um, by the time March comes around, I'm sick of talking about them. So, uh, <laughs> so no, I mean, it's, it, it's just, a, you know, get to the end of the process. You're ready for the new process to begin. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so during the summers, all the background information, watching as much as I can, um, to get in a good position for the falls and, 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 you know, produce information for our folks so that if they're writing stories about college guys or, you know, looking at college guys during the year, they know who to look for and what to look for and some background on them and stuff like that. So they uh, have that kind of repository available to them. Um, and then in the fall, you know, it's, it's whatever I get assigned. So this last year is very, um, fortunate to do a senior bowl watch list report every couple of weeks talking about some of the better players in the country that were on the senior bowl watch list mm -hmm. um no idea what i'll be doing this year but i'm sure it'll involve some writing on some prospects and um you know just kind of showing you're getting people that are more casual fans you know who are the big names and and who do you want to 
look for when you're flipping through on Saturday, um, if you have a chance to, to watch on Saturday. So, um, uh, you know, I'm just trying to build and, you know, I just keep my eyes open for new guys that come out and kind of break out um, to try to gather the information on them. And then, you know, bowl season, all-star game season is a, is a trip. Um, we are covering, so uh, NFL Network is carrying, obviously, Senior Bowl, Shrine Bowl, HBCU All-Star Game, mm-hmm. um, NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. Uh, so there's a, we're doing a lot of games now, and so I have to have that information pretty much ready to go for all those games because the guys who cover, to, that do those games have been watching NFL for the last four months. And so they have to get up to speed on who these guys are and stuff like that. So, yep. um, so that's one of my major roles is to make sure that that information is good to go. Um, and there's a, there's a group of researchers who work really hard uh, for the NFL programming all, you know, fall along in the network and they're focused on that. So they're happy to have something that they have in their hands when they get done with that. And like, Oh man, I'm so glad we didn't have to start this from scratch for this all-star game, you know? So uh, that's a lot of my job uh, just to, to gather that information and kind of give people an idea of where these guys might, you know, where their draft stock might be and, and stuff like that. Combine, same thing, um, yep. you know, building the same stuff for that. Uh, and always looking for new players and, and trying to see, then the pro day information comes in and, and you know that teams, if a guy has a great pro day, you're, he's going to get draft interest. So we're always trying to find that information out to make sure we have the, the information on those guys. So um, it's a 12 month process, always looking for new guys, uh, watching as much as you can. And, um, you know, always keeping one eye open for the guy for next year and, and uh, to know who we're, who we're going to be talking about. Yeah. That's the biggest thing too, right. Is keeping up with how, how it changes. Yeah. People pop up on the radar, September, October, November that you are not tracking and you're watching a game. You're like, Whoa, how did I not know about this guy yet? Yeah. Yeah. Especially. Well, yeah. Super senior thing is really interesting because about Mm -hmm. 150 guys in my group so far, probably a little bit more than that now are, are super seniors. Um, and, you know, we had a slew of them last year with Pickett and Brisker and, and yep. all that. So these guys aren't going away for a couple more years. So um, you try your hardest to really look at spring rosters and look at information. It's like, okay, I was pretty sure I saw an announcement that guy was going back to school. But I just want to make sure. And then, oh, by the way, he may have transferred somewhere else. So then you have to <laughs> figure that out, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's more difficult than it used to be to track these guys. But um but yeah, you always have to keep your eyes out, eyes peeled for new guys. And, um, you know, either you're watching something and a guy sticks out to you. Oh, he's not in this draft class, but I better file that away. And remember, make, mm-hmm. make a mark in my Phil Steele magazine and uh, you know, <laughs> circle this guy. Like, make sure to come back to this guy um, for next year. So one of the things that I think I've had to start doing recently, and I and I kind of I kind of started this last year. Um, because what would happen is I would start my new notebook because uh, I use OneNote, right? Is a, I think OneNote's perfect for this. You, mm-hmm. you have all the sections you can break up, break it up by position, searchable, so you pull up everybody at the same school if you're watching a game. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like using OneNote. And one of the things that I realized, because talking about time management, right? Yeah. It's I made this mistake going from the 2021 cycle to the 2022 cycle and it was not well, as soon as a player 
announced he was going back to school, deleting the page. Hmm. And I realized I could just no. go ahead and start the new notebook and just move that page over. And I have That's half it. a scouting report already, you know, but yep, yep. that, that was one of the, those you hard things lessons. I had to learn. Right. You know, is right? you I know lessons. I've watched this guy. I know I had, Oh, dang it. I deleted that page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, no, I know I've gone through this enough, but you know, every year I, like I said, I go through a postmortem and, I, and every year I come up with new things. I'm like, I should really to. do this and this, or I should really stop listening to anybody else except myself. Uh, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. You always forget that at the end of the year. You yeah, always forget that. It's hard. It's hard. Um, because there's a lot of good people doing this stuff. And, you know, it's for, for example, um, sources are, are great, but they are human and they cannot predict the future. Okay. Right. So a guy calls me and says, this guy's definitely going in round four. Why don't you have him in your round four draft? You know, he's kind of on the, kind of on the uh, bubble for me, you know, nah, you're crazy. He's going in the fourth round. Guy goes undrafted. Right. I mean, this, <laughs> yeah. this is what happens because we can't tell the future. We're always in a, a time of uncertainty. So you just have to trust what you're doing. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. That's fine. But you don't want to be wrong because somebody else said something that now you're wrong, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it, you, you just got to kind of go with your own thing. And it's the, really The hard. sources thing is is the hardest thing, right? Because remember uh, when Lincoln Riley was rumored to be going to LSU? Yeah. I had boosters telling me it's done. We have him. Right. He, right. He's coming. We 10 years right. it's going to be like a 90 95 million dollar contract we have the money already like we're he's coming yeah. we have him as and, soon as the season's over and they might have thought right they weren't they were they 100 percent thought it right 100 percent. you don't know right yeah. i mean you don't know so you, you you take that information it's like everything else it's like everything else you see on the internet my stuff anybody else's stuff you take parts of it and you and you challenge your own beliefs but in the end you have to go back and see what you think is is right right um and the worst thing you can do and this is for anything is say oh that guy doesn't know what he's talking about i'm not going to read it okay Mm -hmm. um once a person gets to a certain level let's let's just say you know a guy who started a website yesterday maybe not but (laughs) just just like in because a lot of people I see the comp well I don't see my comments because I don't read those comments but I see other people (laughs) making comments about other people and they say that guy doesn't know what he's talking about they haven't gone back and studied that guy's track record they don't know whether he's been better or worse than or the same as everybody else I've spent a lot of time doing that and so I know who's often right and who's not often right Right. And but the thing is, is that everybody isn't that different. We all have strengths and weaknesses and, and all that stuff. So if you take what you know are strengths from one person and maybe not take their weak, weaker parts, you know, uh, to heart mm-hmm. and, and just kind of make your own process, you, you, you find you, you do pretty well, I think. So, um, and, um, well, I'm just not a conflict guy anyway, so I would never be like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I may think that, but then I, I step back and I say, well, wait a minute. 
let's look at what this person is saying. And do I really disagree with it? Uh, just because I haven't thought of it before, that's the other thing. A lot of people will say, oh, I've never thought of that. Therefore, it must be wrong. Uh, no, that's not how it works. No. Just because they thought of it and you didn't doesn't mean it's wrong. That's why um, there's, there's that's why there's 20 people in a scouting department in the NFL, right? right? Because it's all about having all these different minds and a good leader is going to sit there and say, you know, here's the plan. What do you guys think? Yeah. And that's why, because you're, you know, this is one thing that, you know, we were taught in the military is when you're in a, let's say a, a, a briefing before you go into, you know, a certain mission that you're about to go pull off yeah. yep. the leaders. Yeah. It's their job to think of everything, but they're not going to. That's why right. they brief you about the mission before you go is so that you right. can be like, well, that might not work. And they go, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, yeah. right. You're not going right. to think everything. It's uh, it's not group think, but I think you think as a group, right? I mean, right. I think you, but in the end, the sergeant, the general manager, whatever, they have to make the call, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they have to make the call, but the smart leaders hire smart people around them and listen to what they have to say. And they don't necessarily agree with it. And they, they don't do what they say. Um, and some people take that as, well, you didn't listen to what I say. No, I heard what you said, but I have, I'm in charge. So I have to make this decision and I value your differing opinion, but we have to move forward with something. Eventually mm-hmm. we have to make a decision. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and I think that's, um, you know, that's a smart thing, but I think again, you have to trust yourself, but you also have to be willing to listen to other people's opinions. And Keep you also open have mind. To, mm-hmm. right. And you also have to review your own stuff and try to get better. Why did I not do this? And, and if I'm wrong in terms of like a mock draft, we'll just say mock draft. Oh, okay. I was wrong about this part of mock draft. Why was that? Well, because I believed in these players more than other people did. And apparently more than the NFL people. Okay, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that um, because I've done enough in the past to show that NFL teams are not always right. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to say, hey, I believed in these guys. They don't, or they have some information about a guy that hasn't come out. And sometimes they'll make a decision based on that. And sometimes that, that makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't prove to make sense. And a guy becomes a real bargain. And um, you know, just because of not paying attention to football things rather than non-football yeah. things. So, um, or like Creed Humphrey, I, I still don't understand why that dude wasn't a first-round pick. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't get it. Um, I, and you know, I felt like an idiot putting him in the first round when he drops. Well, what am I missing about this guy? Turns out I wasn't missing anything. He's really good. So, you know, and then there's lots of guys that I've had in there that have turned out to be terrible, and that's me and Bill Belichick and anybody else who's ever done this ever has, have, has had that happen to them. So that's yeah. just part of the deal, but yeah. eventually you have to make a decision. You have to go with what you think at the time, just like any decision, any of us make in life. Um, you, you just have to go with the information you have and, and um, you know, move forward. Hope it's the best. Hope it's the best yeah. decision you can make, but right. no. And then the other thing too, that changes every year is schematics, right? Because different things are introduced, different people start. I mean, look at the big slot, for example. Just yeah. two yeah. years ago, that was not a, a real issue because you had a tight right. end. Right. Then Chase Claypool comes along. Yeah. And I, I remember this was one of my biggest like things that I ever did, right? Like 
in terms of kind of seeing the direction of the league was watching Claypool Notre Dame in 2019 in September going, he's not really an outside guy, but you put him in the slot against the smaller defensive backs and it's going to be torture. Right. And that's exactly what happened. Right. And uh, that was, that's the thing is you're always having to evaluate that part of it too, is the game changing. Exactly. And, and the funny thing is, is that people lose the fact that it's not, it's not just about the tape. Mm -hmm. Um, The tape is part of the story. It's the most important part of the story, but it doesn't project the future. And, and when you get a guy who's in a particular scheme in college, he doesn't necessarily do that in the NFL. Yes. That's why somebody says, oh, these air raid offensive linemen are no good. Oh, these air raid quarterbacks are no good. Um, they're not going to play that in the NFL. So you mm-hmm. have to look at their athleticism, their character, their work ethic, their, all this other stuff to see if they fit what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why the combine is more important than people think. Um, and the athleticism is more important than people think because you're not going to be asked to necessarily to do the same things in college as you are uh, in the pros. And um, so there's, you know, anybody can look at statistics for a guy and look at a 40 time for a guy and say, oh yeah, he's good. Well, it's more than that. It's, it's, the, it's, it's more than, the whole is more than the sum of its parts. And, and I think that's just important to remember, what is this guy going to be, not what is he today? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what makes it hard. That's what makes it hard because people change. They mature. They don't mature. They get bigger. They don't get bigger. You know, that's, that's, that's why it's difficult. The inexact science of this process. It's a beautiful thing. It just is. It's beautiful. And like you said, you know, as getting back to the scheme part, um, you know, it's so funny how the NFL is the, the professional level but it's the least innovative level as well, <laughs> because, because you, I think it's because it's more difficult. It's more difficult to be innovative because guys are bigger, faster, stronger on the offensive side. You're facing really difficult defenses, fast, strong, smart defenses. And, and you can't just make stuff up on the fly. Right. I mean, it's just, no. you're just not doing it. So, and when you run out of options, you look to the college game and you say, Hey, this guy was really good when they did this in college, let's do that. And, and so um, I think it's, it's just the, as the players get taught in high school and college to do certain things and it proves to be the best thing that they can do. Then the pro game starts moving in that direction. And uh, you know, and and Kyle Pitts comes to the, comes to the NFL you're not going to stick him in line very often, right? You're going to, you're, you're going to, you're going to put him on the outside. You're going to yeah. put him inside. You're going to move him around because you saw what he could do. Um, and so innovative, that's why like guys like Belichick who are innovative, who are willing to go against the grain when everybody's going to a four man front, they go to a three man front. When everybody's doing that, they, they, they go the opposite because they know there's arbitrage in finding these guys that now other teams don't want, but maybe they do. Um, so it, it's interesting how schemes and, and, and um, coaching styles and all that stuff change over time. And that affects, that affects scouting. But the other thing is when you're in the media, um, 
you're you're scouting for all 32 teams which makes it extremely yes. difficult right yep. and that's why when i talk about guys i i don't necessarily like you have to rank guys because that's what you have to do but honestly it's more like hey I like this guy in this offense and I like this guy in this role on defense for this particular, you know, this guy's going to be a three tech in this defense. He's going to be a five tech in that district. And the, but he can kick inside and obvious passing situation. Just, you know, you have to have these cop caveats on, on what a guy can do and what he can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but you focus on what he can do and what role that is. And, and I try to take big picture, look at things. What is his role going to be? Is he a starter? Is he a potential starter? Is he just a, is he a backup, you know, a solid back, just like a big picture view and what can he do and what does he need to improve on? And just, it's not, this guy doesn't suck. This guy doesn't, no, um, you know, I, it's not really how it works. You have to, you have to evaluate a guy, what his role is going to be and how early you want to draft him and, um, and uh, you know, try to take a bigger picture look. No, and I talk about that all the time, and that's it because it's a very important point because every year you got people on social media, people that, you know, they come after you because they're like, oh, well, you had this guy ranked here above this guy. You're an idiot. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, because I'm, I didn't see him going to that team, <laughs> you know, right. and playing well, that's that role. The thing, right. That's <laughs> the thing. And then or or that team. Or the team that would have liked that guy, like. Okay, nobody, nobody other than the Patriots was going to pick Cole Strange in the first round. Obviously, nobody. yeah, nobody, right? Right. <laughs> not an idiot for not saying Cole Strange is in a first round pick. Um, and, and so that because you have to, you take what you end up doing is you take the average over thirty two teams of mm-hmm. the value of that guy, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's what you end up doing to try to find the mid range of where he can go and. And honestly, like um, in a lot of, and I haven't been able to work this in yet, but um, when I've done data studies in the past, all that thing, I don't do, I typically don't do like what round the guy was in. Mm-hmm. I'll do what tier was he picked in? Was he a, a one to 10, 11 to 20, 20 to 50? Um, because the tiers of talent cross over round uh, because there's 32 teams doesn't mean there's 32 of the best players. That's, That's not how yeah. it works. Yeah. And so this tier analysis is I've been doing that for 20 years and um, teams have always appreciated to look at that because that's why you see trades of guys getting from the late second into the early second, because they know that that next tier of talent is going to run out in the 40 to 50 range somewhere. And you've got to go get your guy. Um, the, you know, it's funny. The Patriots have always been known as a trade back team. And they do that in the first round. Mm-hmm. The second round, they trade up a lot. Yeah. Because they know for the, well, for them particularly, they have like 50 guys on the draft board. And so they're all going to run out. By, by the mid- no, but I, it's just really, it, it, you, you have to know where those breaks in talent, general breaks in talent are. And they don't really change a lot from year to year. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's pretty consistent. Um so it, it, there's a, you know, a lot of analysis. It's, it's a lot of fun to look at this kind of stuff and, and uh, treat it like a puzzle. That's all that mock drafts really are to me. It's just a puzzle. Right. Right. Uh, and, but you don't know what it is. Basically the way I sub- describe a seven round mock draft when I do radio interviews, like how can you possibly do a seven round mock draft? Well, the way I look at it is 
you get a picture from this you get a puzzle from the store it's a thousand pieces and it's like a scottish castle okay that's what the box says and you open it up and you start putting it together and you're like this isn't a scottish castle this is this is dogs playing poker right because you get in the <laughs> middle of this thing you're like what is going on how can i get this here and this and this guy here oh man this guy's falling to the fifth round that can't be so you're always playing around with it and then you finish and you find out that you've built a picture of a bunch of dogs outside a white castle and that's what you end up with you you don't end up with what you think you're going to have and what it looks like halfway through you end up with something totally different and you just have to submit it eventually no matter how many more changes you want to make I've got two two more questions for you. And the first one is to play off that data analysis because I like to do some data analysis myself. Uh, I don't, I, the tier, um, the tier breakdown is fascinating. I've never done that before. And I definitely think I'm going to explore that a little bit. Yeah. I like looking at some other type like trends, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of trends that the media will hype at times. Yeah. I remember, you know, when Richard Sherman and the Legion of Boom was a big thing. Yeah. It was, oh, the new prototype cornerback is going to be the tall, lanky cornerback. And you yeah. saw all these guys go second, third round, and they didn't pan out. So I was trying yeah. to – I did some data analysis this past offseason, you know, and it was interesting. I used some, you know, public feedback and stuff. I said, hey, who are the top five corners in the NFL right now? And I ended up with a list of, you know, about 15 guys, right, that are mm-hmm. very, very good, very, very good corners in the league. Yeah, there they're all a, 5'10", 190 pounds. Yeah, there wasn't a yep. single one that was over 6'1", you know? Yeah. And that was the thing was it was kind of like you get to a point where what is that? So then at that point, it's like, well, let me look at the tape. Let's look at some different stuff. And I kind of think that you have a taller corner, 99 times out of 100, they're not going to be able to react fast enough yeah. to play in man coverage, which everybody has to play now, right? Right. And so that's I like data analysis for that kind of stuff, right? Because yeah. – you can find a trend. You can kind of see, okay, well, Richard Sherman is an outlier. I mean, he right. still can't, he still can't play man coverage as you right. know, everybody in the NFL knows after that Super Bowl where he right. got toasted in the fourth quarter, but it's like, maybe there's a pad level issue right there where, you know, they're tall. They're so tall. They can't get low enough to react to a cut or something. Yeah. But the thing is, is I don't think where you can go wrong on this stuff Mm-hmm. is saying because Richard Sherman can't do it no 6-2 cornerback can do it right I mean I, I think yeah. I think people take it a step too far and I think it's interesting to think about um, like for example the Steelers I think have signed like Witherspoon and somebody else I can't think of the top of my head you know tall, well of course they selected Artie Burns early so you don't even necessarily think of the Steelers as picking those kind of guys but they they have picked them if they think they have the short area agility to, to make it work on their defense and their scheme allows them to do that. Right. If they're, mm-hmm. if they're playing more zone, they, and you know, that's the other thing, right. Man versus zone. Well, everybody's playing a little bit of everything. I mean, and some teams do more than others. And, and I'll look at stats in terms of, you know, what, what teams are running more cover three versus cover two versus cover one, blah, 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 just to get an idea. But it's not like they're running 80% you know, man one versus, you know, it, it, most teams do not do that. They, they right. try to mix it up. Right. So in, in the end, you have to pick the corners that, that no matter what their size is, that, that, that can find the ball 
first of all, and that can be any size corner. Can you yep. find the ball in the air? Are you physical? Can you, you have the short area agility and the intelligence? Can you read the routes? Can you do what you have to do? Um, so I, I just, so it's interesting to look at that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you're evaluating players, you don't want to get into the habit of saying, oh, he's this 6'2", he's disqualified, right. Right, right. right. I mean, you, you know, and, and you see it with, uh, you know, Patrick Sertan. Um, there's a guy in this upcoming year's draft, Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. They play, he's sick. Well, they list him at 6'3". He's probably 6'2 and change, 200 pounds, very similar to Patrick Sertan. A&M plays him in the slot a lot. In, in or in the box and they list him as a safety he's a guy that if he has the short area i, I would be very interested to see him outside a corner in the nfl so you know that hits a couple of things one think about different scheme fits mm-hmm. for a guy and two don't box a guy in a particular thing because of his size or his speed or whatever because you're going to miss out on guys and um you know there's always been teams have always had like we're not drafting a guy in the first four rounds who's shorter than five nine yeah yeah and, and the patriots are like we're not drafting a guy taller than five nine ever you know no <laughs> i'm glad i got you a spit take on that one i, was Ooh, hoping- I think that's the first time i've ever done that but no but, <laughs> but but you know certain teams like certain guys right that's just yeah, that's no, just that's the true. way it is yep but, but when you're evaluating, I don't, you don't want to pass up on a Marcus Jones from Houston, who I had put in the third round of my mock drafts forever to the Patriots. Cause it just made a lot of sense. Right. That's right. That's the guy they like yeah. returner five, eight, really physical slot guy, which they struggled with last year and just a better version of miles Bryant. And it made a lot of sense for them to take him. And I think that's smart in a way, even though they've struggled with Javier Arenas um, you know, they've picked some guys that hasn't worked out, but that doesn't mean that you stop taking a player of a certain size and speed just because another guy one, didn't win, right. right? The same yeah. with like, don't, don't take Alabama running backs. Well, that's worked out. Okay. More recently. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, that's, that's just a, like Florida state defensive ends used to be a thing. And, and like, you don't, every guy is different. You, you look at trends to see some things, but in the end, you got to judge the guy, um, uh, on what he on what he does and uh, but I'm you know the trend is your friend I, I think it's really important to know what's happened in the past when you're looking in the future uh, that that's that's you know as they say the past is the you know most uh, accurate predictor of the future whatever that saying is I can't come up with right now um, past is prologue however you want to say it mm-hmm. you don't want to be a prisoner to the past but you have to be aware of it and and, and to when you see things and um you know, that's, that allows you to predict things a little easier. Um, I look at trades all the time for mock drafts, right? I do trades and I've looked at a lot of trade history. Um, and you know, this year I'm like my first mock draft, I'm like the Eagles are trading up for Jordan Davis. And I think I kept that most of the way through, maybe on the last one, I didn't, but I still had them taking it or something like that. Mm-hmm. And just cause I, that makes a lot of sense for me. And I saw the trade history. I'm like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, the chiefs would trade up for a, a corner and not a receiver. And I had them trading up at one point for a receiver. And then I saw the receiver was going to go higher. So I didn't, and I had them trading up for a corner. Can't remember if it was Elam maybe because I had McDuffie going a little earlier to somebody, whatever. Um, so, you know, you have to look at that stuff, but you can't be a slave to it 
because a guy like Trent McDuffie, for example, and Roger McCreary, a guy had not been picked in the first round with under 30 inch arms in the last 20 years. Okay. So McCreary was the one that everybody ripped on for his lack of length. Yeah. But I remember McDuffie that. He wasn't over 30 either. So, and I figured McDuffie would go in the first round, but I wasn't sure how high um, because of that, that length, length of length. And he, he's a really good player. So I'm glad he did, but so you got to be aware of it, but you can't, you know, you have to have to take things, um, you know, as they're as they're uh, in front of you and, and not be a slave to that. That's a great point, too. And. Yeah, yeah, because helmet scouting's always been a thing. I mean, yes. people are always, always. oh, yeah, the, he's an LSU corner. He's going to be great, you know, and that's so hard to get away from. It yeah. is, it's so hard, like Keishon Butte. There are times where, like, there are plays where you're like, wait, is this Chase or is this Butte? What am I looking at here? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's slightly different builds and all that stuff, but it's really easy to fall into that trap. And, you know, it, and it has some merit in terms of, like, schools recruit certain kind of guys. So you get some of that, but you can't, like, Bryce Young is nothing like Tua. And, and not in a good or bad way. They're just not the same. They're not the same player at all. Um, totally. You know. <laughs> so no, it's, it's, it's funny. It's funny that you specifically mentioned that because I remember he played, what was it? It was an all-star game, the Under Armour, I guess it used to be, it used to be the U S army game. What it, I guess it, so it's not Under Armour. That was, it was it used to be the U S army. That was the first year as Toyota. And I was like, I can't believe I'm saying this right now. Like Toyota, the Toyota all American game just does not ring right. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> I remember he played that game. He started, he was in the, on the white team. And I was called, I called my buddy who's big Alabama guy. I'm like, I'm telling you, Bryce Young is two a 2.0. Like he's better. Cause, cause they had the similar build. They had the similar arm talent, you know, in, in this, in the athletic ability, but no, it's a good point. No, he's, he's a lot better than two, I think. Yeah. And, and I liked to, uh, for a, a variety of reasons, but he, but he does different things and, mm-hmm. and you have to do those different things to put him in a, in a, in a, uh, a way to succeed. Um, but like Bryce, the ball just comes out so fast. Um, it just comes out so fast and uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, but so helmet scouting is always a thing you have to watch out for, but teams still, it, it's human nature. Wisconsin offensive linemen will get drafted higher than you think. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, always. People thought I was crazy for putting like Logan Bruss in the top 100. He went top well, 100. <laughs> he went top 100, and and um, and then you know just because certain schools have certain things that they're known for, and their NFL teams trust them w- with that kind of stuff, um, and it's really hard to get away from that. Pitt has a junior defensive tackle. Uh, Kalijah Cancy, yes, right? Cancy. Oh, <laughs> how can you not look at that guy and think, think of Aaron, Aaron Donald? Donald. Yeah, <laughs> see, ours already on it, <laughs> right? It's impossible. Yeah, but he's not Aaron Donald. But dang it, he looks like him. It's yeah. so hard to not fall into that trap. But yeah. you know, because we're all, you know, but uh, but really talented player. I mean, a lot of a lot of fun to watch. So uh, it, it's hard. It's hard getting away from those biases. The last question I've got for you, and then we'll wrap it up. 
but the PA behind you, you have a football, you have a helmet, which oh, yeah. appears to be assigned. What is that? That is um, my team that I had the privileged coach a couple of years. Um, my awesome. stepson, my stepson played high school football, um, very small school. We had 35 guys on the team, which is actually a pretty big number considering that, that there was only probably um, 200 kids in both high schools combined, which it was a co-op, very small communities. There's, there's like 1700 people total living in the two communities. Um, so, but it was, it was one of the best experiences of my life. Anybody watching this, if you ever think about coaching, do it 100%. Um, just great being involved with the kids. And um, so, yeah, that, the, the helmets from youth football. And then I have a football down here that I was given by the kids um, after my stepson graduated and I knew I wasn't going to be coaching anymore. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just one of the best experiences ever. Um, That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. It was great. I, uh, I'm not an X to nose guys necessarily. I, I was more of a, you know, obviously like <laughs> because I'm so svelte, I was working with the DBs and uh, wide receivers because that's the kind of build. You know, we had a former college <laughs> offensive lineman working with the line. So I didn't really need to do that. Um, but, but it, it was so fun just to be able to work, being able to put the things that I've learned into, um, into, practice was great um and more than just like talking to talking to kids about it on the side or whatever it was mm -hmm. really fun to to be able to do that it, it's so great when you teach somebody something and they do it and it's just the best feeling we scored a touchdown we we worked on scramble John. look we're an option offense if, when one year we were a total option offense the other year we had a good quarterback so we threw the ball a bit more right but we're still running the ball because small town, Wisconsin. That's what you do. Big right. 10, that's what you do. Right. Um, and you know, one, so I'm like, okay, let's work on scramble drill. And of course the kids are like, what are you talking about? So we, we did some scramble drill work the next week. We had a kid that was running a shallow cross and the quarterback went out of the pocket and the kid took off downfield because he saw him scramble and it was a touchdown. And it just made me so happy because you just listen, you listen and you put it into practice and it's so great. And it's, and it's so great. So I, you know, it was just, it was an amazing experience and uh, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. That's awesome. That is actually awesome. Chad, it's been a pleasure having you on being able to just talk some ball and get into some other stuff too, off to the side going down little rabbit trails that's what we do on this if you if yeah. you ever get a chance and you go listen to some people mark jarvis is really great on the show emory hunt was really great on the show you know it's like we just go down rabbit holes sometimes oh you were you had emory on here well i should wear a, a suit and tie <laughs> you know we that talked dude. about that, <laughs> that i said dude, yeah you're always the best dressed man no know, no right? matter no matter yeah, where you I go you'll always have that yeah you're lucky i even put on a shirt that looks decent. usually <laughs> Well, I mean, look at, look at me. I'm, I'm total homer today going Tennessee. So, you know, yeah, no, that's no, uh, no, it's great. Well, I appreciate you having me on. It was fun talk. Yeah. What's, and, uh, go ahead. Give uh, the listeners your Twitter handle. So if they're not already following you, they can do that where they can find sure. all of your stuff. Yeah. Um, NFL.com is where all my stuff is at. Uh, my Twitter handle is Chad underscore R E U T E R Chad writer. And um, yeah, that's my main uh, social media thing. But honestly, like I'm on there 
every second I'm on there, I'm not working. So I'm not posting a lot right now other than my Snap Scout series. And you can use Snap Scout 23, hashtag Snap Scout 23. You see the guys that are on there. I think I've got like 145 or including some leftovers from last year. Uh, I'll be honest. Um, I never turned your mentions off. So I get every, I get it. <laughs> I mean, your notifications. So every time you tweet one, I'm like, oh, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, and look, I do a lot of jokes and I, because people are so serious and, and so negative that like, I just feel like I have to, like in Ghostbusters 2, when they had the river of, of uh, negativity running through the, under the streets of New York, and then everybody sang a song at the end and all this stuff. Like, I like to be that guy that just was like, hey, let's, you know, let's tell jokes, let's have fun, let's support each other you know, retweeting other people's stuff. If, if people are doing great things, saying congrats, do that great thing. So that's what a lot of my tweets are. Um, but, you know, when I have football things to say, I'll say them. And um, and uh, so, yeah, uh, that's that's what the, my Twitter verse is. Yeah, appreciate the time. If you got a second, hang around when I stop recording and I'll pass on some stuff to you. But all right, always a pleasure to talk to you. Always thanks, enjoy John. it. Always enjoy your stuff. So thanks a lot for the time. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for tuning into my channel, checking out the content. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and follow us on your favorite podcast platform as well.